Brain Milk Podcast, everybody. I'm Dash McIntyre. And I'm Adrian Pope. And uh, we have an interesting podcast today. Uh, if you're living under a rock, uh, Donald Trump just incited a coup against Congress. Attempt. Um, yeah, I attempted think the coup. attempted coup. Yeah, I think at this point, uh, the question we want to start off with is, is Donald Trump officially the worst president in U.S. history? What are your thoughts? I think absolutely. Uh, no other president has done what he's done. Um, if you combine COVID, where we're currently at like 600 or sorry, 370,000 deaths and like 20 million cases of COVID. Uh, we're up so to 4,000 deaths a day. Yeah, so we have like the deaths of a president who presided over a big war, um, <laughs> and we have a, a massive uh, healthcare crisis of a pan- worldwide pandemic hitting America, and the government doing literally nothing about it. So between those two things, I think it's safe to say that uh, Donald Trump might be uh, the worst president ever. Yeah, and on top of all the foreign policy failures the kind of calculated and intentional uh coldness and brutality and cruelty and like a lot of their a lot of his immigration policies his just general lack of interest in the job his lack of reading he doesn't read the presidential briefing his kids are his advisors they're all like making money off of their government jobs most of the people he has attracted to positions around him are also interested in self-enrichment or, uh, you know, using the government roles that they have for their own personal self-aggrandizement. Um, so, yeah, I, I would agree. Um, the other, so we've, the got, other... we've, got, uh, we've got death of Americans, right? We have right. a pandemic. We have corruption. Uh, what else do you think we could add to that list, making him yeah. the worst president ever? Maybe the you know, lies. Has any president lies, lied yeah. <laughs> right. as much? Just not living in reality. The, the nepotism, yeah. of course. And now you have the uh, literal, literal attempted insurrection of the election that he lost. Um, what, so what do you think about the Congress people that helped Trump do this? That basically, especially after the coup, right? After everyone fucking, you know, left Congress. And then they still go through and vote uh, against the election that just incited um, the rioters to literally go through Congress chanting hang mike pence (laughs) (laughs) well what do i think about the congress member i think i mean i think it's amazing since they uh you know put their hand on a bible and said they were gonna protect the constitution of the united states against all you know foreign enemy uh all enemies foreign and domestic right and then um you know i don't know how conservative a thing or constitutional uh traditionalist it is to just say the constitution's uh, laws about how elections work should be thrown out <laughs> so that trump could remain president yeah. i think that's pretty weird and the whole thing was a lie because it's like the last i mean it's their whole uh, legal strategy has been nothing but hail marys that have all been thrown out of court and then yep. rudy giuliani twice was asked by two different judges so do you have any evidence of actual fraud and rudy giuliani had to say no that he wasn't actually saying there was fraud um <laughs> Well, I so love on, what uh, a lot of people talk about, like the signed, affi- you know, the sworn uh, affidavit saying that that's somehow evidence that corruption or some kind of illegal 
election meddling has taken place, despite the fact that you and I could go out on the street and get hundreds of signed affidavits that don't mean anything. Because here's here's a fun fact about uh, America. Uh, you can lie to people in public and it doesn't matter. However, <laughs> yeah. if you go into a courtroom, uh, y- you know, you'll notice that none of those signed affidavits were people who actually put their hand on a Bible and under threat of perjury, if they lied, you know, said the same things to a court of law. Right. And then, so basically all the court cases Trump lost, it was something like 61 to 1. I think and we're 62 the, to 1 now. 62 to 1. And the only case that they won was like just a procedural thing where they <laughs> they lessened, yeah. I think it was Pennsylvania's voting of late ballots. They shortened it by a few days or something like that instead yeah, of nine days. Yeah, nine days, days to six. To six, yeah. right, yeah. So literally just... <laughs> The whole thing is based on a lie. And so you get to this last Hail Mary where Trump's plan is for Mike Pence, who uh, fulfilling a purely and strictly ceremonial role of just opening up the envelopes with the electoral ballots coming from all of the states (laughs) who have already individually unanimously confirmed the electoral college counts. Basically, Trump's plan was for Pence to unilaterally by himself say, no, I don't trust these electoral college ballots. And then, I guess, throw them out or return them to the states, hoping that the states who, again, already confirmed those electors <laughs> and the electoral yeah. ballots to then, I guess, like go through and say, oh, the actually, states these are the are one who sent it. They sent it to Congress, right. which is amazing. Well, I mean, that's the that's the whole issue of the matter here is that, the, you know, what did Hawley and Ted Cruz's statements about why they were going to try to overthrow the election? You know, they talked about how this election has, uh, you know, the greatest uh, incidents of people who believe there was like corruption or foul play, which is an interesting statement because they don't say they have any proof. It's just saying that there's been, you know, a ton of people who have doubts about it. And the only right. reason they have doubts is because people like them and more importantly, Donald Trump have literally just been lying about the <laughs> yeah. election. They, uh, they before spent it even weeks, happened. Right. They spent weeks saying that there's nothing but fraud. This is the most fraudulent election ever. And then finally, when it comes time to actually show proof, they're just saying, oh, well, there's millions of Americans who believe all these things we've been saying about fraud. And now millions of Americans believe there was fraud. So now because of that, we have to throw out the election. And I yeah. think real quick for the record, I don't know if anyone will be listening to this far into the future, but let these names be... Uh, ingrained in future listeners heads that the people uh claiming that there was fraud and that the election should be overturned were led by ted cruz and josh hawley of texas and missouri um respectively and then there was tommy tuberville from alabama cindy hyde smith from uh, mississippi also the woman who said in her last election she said that she wanted to be front row at a lynching so pretty pretty (laughs) racist bitch right there (laughs) Roger Marshall from Kansas, John Kennedy from Louisiana, Cynthia Loomis from West uh, or Wyoming, and then Rick Scott from Florida. All of them, uh, not all of them voted against both uh, Pennsylvania and Arizona, but all of them voted for at least one of those states' elections to be overturned and uh, (laughs) let Brain Milk show that they all officially suck. (laughs) Yeah, do you think they're traitors? Though, (laughs) do you think they're traitors? 
well, I mean, definitionally, yeah. I mean, they they tried to lead a coup, right? So we had a democratic election that followed all the laws of all the states, and then all the results were sent to the Congress, and the Congress was just trying to follow the Constitution at the federal level uh, and basically uh, certify that Biden won. So the idea that you have a democracy and elections, you know, what you know, Republicans spent the last four years saying elections have consequences. Uh, but they didn't want any consequences for this election that they lost, so that's right. pretty uh, pretty sad. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. uh, uh, and what about I, you? Do you think do you think it's like literal treason what they did, or what are your thoughts on that? What's your take? Uh, see, it's interesting. I mean, obviously they did not necessarily intend for people to die, but I, you know, more and more it's coming out like did Trump and Rudy Giuliani intend for people to like you and know Donald potentially Trump die? Jr.? Yeah, because in their speeches that, you know, Rudy Giuliani said something to the effect of it's time to fight like hand to hand combat or whatever. <laughs> Donald yeah, Trump said the election uh, by combat. <laughs> right. Donald Trump said he would actually be marching with them, which is just a hilarious lie. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. Trump is not going to be anywhere near them. And so Trump then also reportedly refused to send in the National Guard. And so uh, what's the guy? Governor Hogan of Maryland, is it right? Was yeah. wanting to send in the National Guard from Maryland to help after, you know, the news coverage is making it was, you know, showing the Capitol as a shit show being invaded by these rioters. And so they had to go around Trump and Pence had to OK the the actual sending in of the National Guard. So I think if, if it comes down and like, you know, we do an investigation like that straight up treason and traitorous. Yeah. Right. For Trump to like literally refuse to send in the National Guard to help. Well, the funny thing is it doesn't even have to be definitionally treason because we already know for a fact it was insurrection. So insurrection against the legislative body of the government because uh, insurrection just means that they basically tried to uh, overtake the building and and stop Congress from doing their legally uh, required duties and basically keep the government from working. That's literally the definition of insurrection, and that's what they did. So, I mean, we have that at the very minimum. Yeah, and I guess it's a good thing that they failed and um, <laughs> the government went right back to certifying the election. And actually, it's ironic because less Republicans signed on to the effort to reject the electoral votes um, because of the insurrection. So originally, mm-hmm. there were going to be like as many as 14, I think, Republican senators signing on. Uh, but it ended up only being, I think, what, like six? six? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but there's a big push now. A lot of people are calling for Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz to resign. Both of their, um, like, states that they represent had a lot of newspapers calling for their resignation. I think Missouri. Yeah, Missouri had Kansas City and St. Louis both write op-eds calling for Josh Hawley to resign. But I think in terms of both of them, like, they were really just signing their name, um onto the effort to help them on their future presidential runs to show yeah. Trump voters how much they support them. So, I mean, it really was an act of opportunism. And uh, even uh, Josh Hawley got a lot of flack. He, uh, this guy, Senator Danforth, he used to be a big-time Republican in Missouri. He uh, helped Josh Hawley um, get elected and campaigned for him and donated a lot of money and raised money for Josh Hawley. And he was saying he's saying now that it's the biggest mistake of his life <laughs> to uh, – to yeah. uh, misinterpret Josh Hawley's, I guess, you know, uh, sense of uh, of his own, like, self-aggrandizement. Uh, I don't know if I'm using that word. <laughs> I don't think I'm pronouncing <laughs> that right. But well, I think a, you know what I'm this, trying to say. This goes an yeah. interesting topic, uh, which I think we should kind of talk about for a second, and it's the First Amendment. So a lot of Republicans yeah. especially—so here, I love this. Josh Hawley had a book deal. 
Uh, and here's how you know, for anyone listening who doesn't know this, here's how you know someone's going to run for president in the future is they write a book, right? So yeah. you get a $750,000 or a million, $1.2 million advance or a deal to write a book. And that gives your family the money so that you can not have a job and go run for president for two years. That's literally, that's like step one in trying to run for president is write a book to get the money so that you don't have to worry about your family. So because of uh, January 6th, when the failed insurrection and, and Josh Hawley's uh, participation, his uh, uh, participation in the insurrection, his book deal fell through. So uh, he's not getting that money now. So uh, I think that's a little humorous. Um, it's probably too little. <laughs> it's making it harder for him to run for president. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> yeah. too little of a consequence for him since he, you know, tried to overthrow our democratically elected Republican all. But it, you know, I'm glad that at least that happened. So uh, funny thing he did was he immediately went on social media complaining about how you know he is being in Orwellian fashion suppressed via, you know, his First Amendment rights are being suppressed because, you know, book publishers should just give everyone a sweetheart book deal. You know what I mean? So, uh, right. so that's something I wanted to bring up was the First Amendment and freedom of speech because a lot of people getting kicked off uh, Twitter and different social media companies, obviously the president has been kicked off pretty much all social media except Parler, which is hilarious. That so, well, I mean, well, Parler is basically being uh, is like you know on the is being threatened to be removed from like the App Store and all the other places where like people have access to find Parler and download it because unless yeah. they unless they clean up their act, which, which right they now haven't. you know. Yeah, all these Republicans and MAGA people right now are basically like publicly planning more, <laughs> more insurrections and and straight up violence against people. Well, uh, yeah, I just love this whole thing because um, you know Donald Trump, you know, can't be trusted with a Twitter account, but he literally has access to nuclear weapons, right. which is a scary thought. But you know what's frustrating is that Josh Hawley is a lawyer. Most of yep. the Republicans in Congress complaining about all of these. And, and it's not like conservatives everywhere being banned. It's Donald Trump because he cannot stop himself from tweeting out more things that are going to incite violence. So it's like literally stopping a terrorist from inciting terrorism. You know, it's like uh, it's not an. This is the equivalent of Twitter getting rid of ISIS's Twitter accounts after yeah. ISIS became a thing. Right. And it's the equivalent of uh, Twitter banning. It's like a movie theater banning somebody who who continually yells fire during movies yeah. in the movie theater, you know? If you do that 10 times, like Trump well, has done 100 times, you know? Yeah. Well, this gets into the issue. This gets into the issue that I wanted to talk about because I think it's so funny because, um, like you just said, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater because you know that that could inherently harm society or harm individuals around you, right? So part of that is kind of the classic idea that like your you know freedom to punch in the air kind of ends at my nose because you can't actually punch me. In the same vein, your freedom to say whatever you want can be limited. And, you know, America has like over 200 years of judicial history on this matter, right? It's not like this is the first time the First Amendment's ever been questioned, uh, especially in terms of in ways, you know, externalities or third party offenses of, of people who could get hurt because of your uh, speech. So uh, that's one issue of this. The other issue is just straight up market forces, right? So the Republican Party has spent literally decades telling Democrats that 
companies and private industry should be able to do whatever the hell they want whenever they want. No, but it's you not. Can't do it's not only. About it. It's not just do what they want. It's to discriminate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like literally, yeah. you know, telling gay people they can't have baked goods. <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's what that's what I said earlier. Like there, a lot of these politicians complaining about this. The Republicans, they're, they're lawyers. lawyers. <laughs> the First yeah. Amendment only says the government can't stop you from saying things bad about the government or infringe your freedom of speech twitter is a private company that has taken the time to write a long list of rules and guidelines of behavior that you have to uh behave within to be able yeah and you literally agree agree. (laughs) yeah you literally sign you check a box claiming that you've read all of the rules and regulations and then you're free to use it so it's like this is not a first amendment thing by any stretch of the imagination and the book deal thing's even stupider because he's saying it's against his first amendment right and it's like orwellian but this is a company deciding to not give him a ton of money to print to literally go way out of their way to print thousands of copies of books or millions yeah or yeah millions (laughs) well not millions of copies of the books but uh, i guess like you know i don't know how much money he made he probably didn't make a million dollars but he probably made at least a couple hundred thousand you know i mean mean, a successful book that's a national bestseller could sell over a million copies yeah, it could, but it could also sell like 30,000 yeah. copies and be like a bestseller. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. it's beside the point, like literally, so it's like Josh Hawley's idea of the First Amendment is that this private book company, even though they want to drop him as a client because they don't like what, what he stands for and what he has done, which again, arguably he committed crimes against the country. But like his idea of the First Amendment is that that book company should be forced <laughs> to continue printing <laughs> yeah. thousands of copies of this book, distributing it and i guess marketing it to all of the stores around the country and then give him money <laughs> well <laughs> like, and like you said that with the first amendment says. <laughs> yeah well, well like you said you know these guys are lawyers so i guess their lawyering interpretation of the first amendment is not that the government should not intervene to uh stifle people's free speech is that the government should intervene to force private companies to prop up your speech which is the kind of right. i don't know what is that the opposite day version of the first amendment <laughs> yeah and so uh you know like a big thing now is conservatives are complaining i guess i guess twitter is like calling a lot of people who like bot accounts or something or conservatives who are tweeting out threats I guess, or something, or Probably I don't a know combination what. Of both. Yeah, but a lot of a lot of Republicans and conservatives right now are complaining that they're losing followers, which is absurd. And I think Jake Tapper had a great yeah. line where he was saying that he, he doesn't know how many followers he's lost in this purge because he's an adult. Yeah, <laughs> and it's so true. It's like people died in the Capitol. There was an ar- there was like an armed insurrection of people trying to find and hang the vice president Mike Pence, and they're complaining like Donald Trump Jr is complaining that he lost like 20,000 Twitter followers who were probably not real people anyway and if they were real people again they're they're going against the rules that they told Twitter they would adhere to when they started using yeah. it yeah which is funny because that's the most free market thing ever a personal contract signed between you and a private company and no one else <laughs> you're gonna right. cry about it <laughs> yeah and it's funny because this is from, uh, you know, the party of uh, personal responsibility, yep. <laughs> which is just absurd. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's interesting, um, like Donald Trump now is in the White House, I guess, fuming 
Um, I called it very, when he did that statement, when he did that video um, saying that like, kind of like, I guess his lawyers finally got through to him and said like, if you don't say something uh, disavowing the rioters, like you will literally uh, be tried <laughs> for crimes and inciting <laughs> yeah. violence. So he did that video and I called it and it's come out true that like Donald Trump did that video and within hours, I am certain that he will... Um, Regret I said it. within hours he would certainly regret it, lash out at everyone who convinced him it was a good idea, and then double down on the on like uh, supporting the rioters and stuff. And uh, reportedly now that's what's happening. He thinks it was showing uh, like weakness. And I think a big telling part of uh, Donald Trump's personality. I forget which paper reported this, but it was a uh, kind of anonymously uh, you know uh, citing things. Uh, Trump staffers have said and that apparently Trump was like kind of delighted watching the coup kind of in his name and well, he, then yeah he was his, confused his, <laughs> yeah but his only objection was that it looked bad it was like kind of poor people like low class people storming the capitol and screaming things so uh, I think one of the papers reported that his only real objection was on aesthetic grounds which I thought <laughs> like, that's so telling yeah. on Donald Trump's horrible personality well, yeah, I saw somewhere else, I think CNN reported it, that Trump was kind of confused, apparently, why other people around him weren't excited about the insurrection, because he thought it was a good, such a good thing for <laughs> <Yeah>. him. <Right. laughs> I just love, I love that he said he would be marching with them, because that is, like, Donald Trump, germaphobe, and physical coward. <laughs> That's a last well, He doesn't even Donald walk Trump on a golf course. Oh, yeah. Trump's going to walk a mile down Pennsylvania <laughs> Avenue to the to the Capitol building. Um, there's also interesting uh, people are like looking into an investigation because one member of the House tweeted out that like Nancy Pelosi had left the, the Senate or the, the House chamber or whatever. Mm-hmm. People were looking at Matt Gates and seeing him on his phone or like who's Matt Gates texting right now. They're wondering if maybe some like insurrectionists were helped and alerted of different uh of information from Congress people. And of course, another uh, pretty viral video was uh, Democratic lawmakers going around trying to get Republican lawmakers to put on masks while they're hiding from the insurrectionists. And then the Republicans, of course, laughing and mocking the idea of wearing a mask. So that's, uh, I guess, breaking news in a week or so. We're going to find out how many members of Congress uh, get COVID yep. <laughs> thanks to being <laughs> locked into kind of closed, airtight rooms. Uh, in close proximity to Republicans refusing to wear a mask. So I guess that's some, some news to look forward to. <laughs> well, here's a here's a fun idea. And, 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 and next thing to talk about, I think, which I think would be really funny is uh, where in the game of 40 chess do you think Donald Trump currently is? <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. right now he, right. he can't communicate with anybody without doing a press conference, which he fucking hates. Hold on uh, real quick. That's what's so <laughs> absurd about this. Trump is saying, you know, like all these Republicans are like Trump's neutered. Republicans can't talk. You know, it's unfair and it's infringing Trump's First Amendment rights. Donald Trump, like down the fucking hall from the Oval Office, has a press briefing room where at a (laughs) moment's notice, every major uh, cable news network in America will broadcast live his comments. And it's not like if he went there right now and started delivering comments, everyone would go live. This would be breaking news and really, you know, like a (laughs) ratings breaking moment for any uh, any any channel uh broadcasting it live you know well, what's to mention, trump gonna say yeah <laughs> not only does he have a press conference room 
pretty much in his house, literally. Uh, he also has multiple employees who help facilitate him to talk to the people, <laughs> which makes right. it even dumber. But yeah, so going back to this 4D chess game, we have Donald Trump can't communicate via Twitter. He's been kicked off of social media. Uh, Mike Pence has said, you know, he's open to the idea of the 25th Amendment, even though he opposes it right now. He's had two people in his cabinet literally resign uh, because they're so disgusted with yeah. him. Betsy and DeVos the House and yeah. uh, Elaine and Chow, Elaine Chow. Uh, transportation. So education and transportation right. have resigned. And the House of Representatives is literally meeting tomorrow. Uh, you know, they, they put out an ultimatum for tonight for the 25th Amendment, and tomorrow they're going to start impeachment proceedings. So so where exactly in the 4D chess game is Trump? And, and you know, I don't know. To me, it seems like, you know, everyone else is playing normal chess, and he's eating checkers in the corner by himself. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like the, the chickens are coming home to roost right now in the conspiracy theories, because, uh, one, I saw, you know, like, uh, QAnon has obviously just been making shit up nonstop and with all the, the baby eating, blood drinking, lizard people stuff. So like that's that's annoying because like, you know, this whole time, like when Trump came out with that video kind of trying to tone things down, a lot of these uh, Q people were saying like, that's it. He just gives up. You know, they were saying like, I burned all these bridges with my friends and family and co-workers and he just gives up. It was all for nothing. It's like, yeah, you you were a horrible human being believing conspiracies that were stupid and lies. Yes, you're an idiot. And on top of that, like, I just saw a video of Alex Jones erupting at Q people. And Alex yeah. Jones was calling all, all the Q people Laughing idiots. Yeah. And Alex Jones is into, like, the lizard, New World Order, <laughs> alien stuff. Like, you know, that, that's the thing. It's like these conspiracy theories now are, like, mad at each other for infringing on each other's conspiracy bullshit turf. You know, hey, lying to people and telling them bullshit is my turf. You know, stay yeah. off it. Um, that's funny and then on top of that you know it's like just the great lie all of these republicans have been saying the election was stolen and there is very real evidence of fraud everywhere and the election is going to be overturned and just you wait donald trump's going to be inaugurated on january 20th not joe biden and you know like none of that's going to happen it was it's a big lie you know well i mean a lot of this is just like it's like a <laughs> like a high school student council election right where you have two people running and one of them doesn't win and claims it's all a fraud. And like, you know, they say, oh, they cheated, even though the, all the ballots are there and you can count them up one, two, three, four or five times. And it's still obvious that there's no yeah. cheating going on. And then the person still goes to the principal demanding he be instated as like class president or whatever. And it's like that's literally what the president's doing. You think it would, you know, the, the United States federal government would be uh, at least a, a notch above what looks like a petty, stupid crybaby, you know, senior in high school type thing. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, so going on, uh, um, you know, looking to the next couple of days and weeks as uh, Biden gets ready to take over and then take off. What do you think about um, where the Republicans are going to be in two weeks from now? Um, because on the one hand, I think that there is a chance for them to try to, you know, climb off of the uh, precipice and try to climb down safely. Uh, and try to be, you know, legitimate, uh, you know, stakeholders no, I, in the United I States government. I think, but I think it's like one percent chance that happens. You had like, uh, what was it like, half the Republican House members or a third to a half somewhere in there? <laughs> well, I was just saying that that's a election? yeah. What that's one hypothetical um, 
one hypothetical future. I right. think the more likely one is that <laughs> they're going to Republicans... be the loyal, helpful opposition. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say is not that Republicans are going to keep acting in bad faith, but they're actually going to continue shitting on people's faith completely um, because that's really what they've been doing. I think acting in bad faith was so Obama era, right? I think during the Trump era, they're literally just taking a shit on the country. Yeah. Um, see, that's interesting because... I don't know. How, how does someone like Jim Jordan and Matt Gates? how do they come down and start being like, nor- how do they pretend like this never happened and just go back to business as usual? You know, people are calling for them to resign and they're calling for Kevin McCarthy to resign. And, you know, like the worst part, like in the Senate, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley both, while they were taking cover from the rioters, literally sent out email blasts raising money to support them oh. supporting Trump. Well, that might have been like a pre-planned thing or a staff person doing it. But, I mean, it's still pretty bad optics and poor taste. Yeah, terrible optics. So, yeah. I, you know, it's like, but, like, do you think Democrats should, like, prosecute this or have censure votes or expel people from Congress? You know, oh, like this yeah. one, the, the Congresswoman who tweeted out that Pelosi wasn't there. Like, isn't that a kind of a very... Uh, that that's kind of criminal don't you think like literally a hundred percent giving and, and, clues to the whereabouts of congress people? yeah well, absolutely but i think like there's a difference between the two houses right so the senate is really you know people of a, a little higher degree uh educationally academically at least in terms of how they approach their jobs right uh you right. know you have ted cruz and holly who um you know, they're just ambitious assholes. And that's why they did what they did. You know, the joke is always that, like, you know, how do we fix America's low information voter problem? And it's like, hey, we have low information, you know, House members, because there's too many people in the House of Representatives who are literal dipshits who a lot, you know, I shouldn't say a lot, but some of them literally almost run opposed, right? There are districts in America where Democrats in rural parts of a state will literally not even contest an election, or it'll be some random one who the DNC doesn't even give any money to. Um, Right. So, I mean, you have these low information... Right. And you win by just I was going to say that, you know, some of these people, they win just by out crazing everyone else in the Republican primary. You think Obama's you think Obama's not American. I think he's a fucking Martian. (laughs) It's like, well, you win the primary. Now you run unopposed and you're a congressperson. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. We're, yeah, the general election is actually the Republican primary. And, and not to say that it doesn't happen in some Democratic districts, too. But, I mean, the, you know, the craziest Democrats that, you know, the Republicans try to demagogue all the time are the squad. And, you know, they're actually working towards real solutions for real problems. Right. You might not like them, but, you know, they're at least taking seriously the problem of health care or minimum wage in this country. You have Republicans who's like, sole claim to fame is like pointing guns at people at black people um right. not to say that those people in st louis made to congress but there were a number of republicans saying they wanted to vote for them for congress and it's like or you know i mean and maybe this is even a little unfair but that like uh that like 18 year old kid or whatever he was in in uh wisconsin who shot those three black people there were calls for him to run for congress and it's like you don't see the craziest of the crazies on the left wing you know being propped up like that over right. you know the stupid stupidest yeah. partisan bullshit and, and Democrats you know, never Democrats don't have campaign videos of just pulling out guns and shooting things to showcase, you know, their political beliefs like Republicans do. 
Well, yeah, I mean, the Republicans right now have that, uh, what's her, I forget her name. There's a new representative who had that video bragging that she was going to take her Glock to Congress. And then yeah. the D.C. police had to talk to her campaign and remind her that that's not how the law works in D.C. And they admitted, yeah, it's pretty much just for show. This is just for, a, you know, a campaign video. And it's like, that's literal bullshit. You don't, you know, the both sidisms is such a logical <laughs> right. fallacy because almost in no way, when you, when you look at the far right, there is not an equivalent on the far left like bernie sanders is not the same as louis gohmert <laughs> aoc is not the same as ted cruz right what do you think uh, in terms of like congress's makeup there have been people saying speculating that maybe uh rom like mitt romney and lisa murkowski maybe susan collins would kind of just go independent and not be republicans i doubt they would caucus with the democrats but maybe no there's no way you don't think there's any way well, I think I think, I think all Republican senators people. realize that Ted Cruz and, and Josh Hawley are idiots. The the four other Republicans who went along with them are just idiots. And that, you know, the Republican Party in the, you know, or I should say the Republicans in the Senate probably still think they are the Republican Party, even though Trump has taken over their com their complete voter base. Yeah. Murkowski's However, already Romney's said, didn't she? It was reported that she would never, you know, caucus with the Democrats. That's what she said. Yeah. But I'm saying there might be some kind of like, like I said, if, if not like straight up renouncing being a Republican, have some kind of like moderate block that's willing to compromise, kind of like the problem solvers caucus or something. Well, yeah, that's um, the interesting I, thing, because if the Democrats can't get rid of the filibuster, then what you really need is 10 Republicans to make a moderate caucus right. to work with the Democrats. And yeah. I don't see 10 Republicans in the Senate doing that. Right. You'd be and getting rid get of the three. filibuster is probably not going to happen. There's a lot, like even Democrats. I don't think they have a major. They, uh, I don't think they have every Democrat even close to being uh, like receptive to the, to the idea of getting rid of the filibuster. I mean, Joe Manchin himself could just kill that effort, that rules change effort. Yeah, um, but well, it's interesting. An... They're they're saying like right off the bat we should. Uh, uh, make D.C. a state. And I think that's a very good idea. Get two extra Democratic senators. And of course, with this riot and the uh, the lapse in control over the situation of the Capitol and the inability uh, to send the uh, the cap to the the National Guard there, because the D.C. Uh, like jurisdiction is a mayor and not a governor. So they have to get approval from like the army or something to send in the National Guard. And that kind of had a delay. Yeah. So, I mean, that makes sense politically. It makes sense just in terms of security of D.C. And it's good for the people who live there to finally have like an electoral college, say, in the presidency. You know, <laughs> well, that's an interesting not, little side note here is the what happened on January 6th is a, a blatant example of a massive national security issue uh, that is, you know, a problem that has been completely created and caused by the Republican Party. So in the election, yeah. you know, in the era post 9-11, uh, with all the hundreds of billions of dollars spent over the last, you know, 19 years on national security and defense and police. Like, what a joke, right? The Republican Party uh, basically can allow that to happen to the, the nation's capital. Yeah, it, it really makes you question the $750 billion military budget when a bunch of rednecks can just storm into the Capitol. You know, it's like people have been saying, like, what if, uh, like, you know, Russians or Chinese uh, agents slipped in with the crowd, walked into Congress and stole some files or, you know, walked around leaving thumb drives around for people to plug into government computers, you know, mm -hmm. stealing documents for blackmail or just intelligence things, you know? 
Like, literally, uh, Nancy Pelosi had uh, mail taken off her desk as souvenirs, and some computers uh, reportedly went missing. Um, so, I mean, like, would you say, like, immediately we should cut, like, one-fourth of the military budget and give it to the FBI to, like, find out all of these uh, domestic <laughs> well, terrorists a, here? Like, clearly the terrorism... Number. <laughs> What'd you say? One-fourth is kind of an arbitrary... Yeah, yeah well, I mean, number. for the, the sake of conversation starting yeah. somewhere, I mean, like, clearly, like... Clearly now, our, you know, it's not ISIS and Al-Qaeda, but our number one threat is literally all these people who have been brainwashed by a multitude of conspiracies to yeah. uh, not believe in democracy, to want to hurt any Democrat and even Republican who doesn't, you know, personally stand in the way of Joe Biden being inaugurated. Yeah. I mean, like, again, my, they, were, they were not trying to... Uh, you know, uh, a Democrat wasn't their primary target. They were they weren't going around chanting "Hang Nancy Pelosi." It was "Hang Mike Pence." You know, yeah. this could be a bipartisan way of uh, you know giving money to the FBI. I do think, well, it's, yeah, the uh, FBI, DC police. I mean, all kinds. Maybe they need a new. I mean, when you looked at the the videos of of DC cops letting the protesters in, I mean, clearly you might need to fire yeah. quite a few of the people there and rethink how you're you know hiring people or how you're operating or, right. you know, et cetera. And there were reports of like police officers among the rioters showing off their badges and that, uh, you know, I mean, obviously that's a problem with like uh, white supremacy and racism and like hate group participants being in police already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of like skinheads that, well, you know, I've seen interviews that admitted like, yeah, you know, once skinheads stopped being like a cool thing, you know, a lot of us decided to go join the police, <laughs> you know, have real power and not be like societal outcasts. And that's kind of a problem. Granted, well, I and don't there think, were police uh, from jurisdictions all around the country who flew to D.C. this weekend or uh, on the 6th. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, are you concerned about Joe Biden's safety? Are you concerned that, like, you know, they're going to make good on their threats to have another armed rebellion on uh, Inauguration Day or leading up to it? Well, I mean, the D.C. police are one thing, uh, and a lot of them were pushed over or allowed to be just sidelined. Uh, they let a lot. They let a lot of protesters through. I mean, the Secret Service doesn't do that, right? The Secret Service, uh, you know, they will act in a way that your typical police. I, mean, I don't think Joe Biden or Kamala Harris are in danger at all. Right, but do you think they? I mean, like, let's say uh, nationally, like in every state, state capitals. You know, there's plans right now that state capitals are maybe under a heightened risk. Um, and I think like something that really just goes to show is just the numbers. You know, yeah. like let's say all the capital police had tried to resist everybody entering the the capital. I mean, they were armed if they had wanted to. If a shootout got started, like the capital would have been stormed by the thousands of protesters. You know, thousands of protesters, even more, you know, now that they think they have nothing to lose, now that, you know, they think they're at risk of being totally banned off social media and not having any rights to speak out. Um, They think Trump is like, you know, you know, the election's over for real and that socialism is on its doorstep. And it's it's 1776 for all the patriots willing to take (laughs) up arms against the the evil government. But I I mean, it's like it's like literally scary. It's like, what can you do if like literally 20,000 Trump supporters with guns come to the inauguration? Right. I mean, can the Secret Service hold off 20,000 people? 
or you know even worse like these state capitals that don't have the giant police force of the heightened you know secret service yeah. and all the federal military people to protect the inauguration of the presidency but just governors you know get you know and that's the thing is like a lot of those protests not a lot i guess but a you know <laughs> more than zero which is what it should be had like zip ties and they yeah. brought a fucking noose mm-hmm. They were literally saying, hang Mike Pence, and they had, like, a gallows noose set up outside the Capitol. You yeah. know, like, uh, people, you know, people have been saying that on Twitter. Like, you know, we are lucky. Like, we could have been watching live-streamed murders of Congress people. And, like, literally, when you look through the, the time the time periods of, like, when they started streaming through, it's, like, a matter, it's, like, less than a minute of when people were literally giving speeches in Congress and talking and when the people started streaming in, right? Mm-hmm. Like we we could have been like two minutes in a, in a different times uh, in a different timeline in an alternate universe. You know that minute difference uh, was not there, and just you know Nancy Pelosi is literally tied up. Uh, you know other Democrats and Republicans are literally tied up, and those people with guns, you know, just start gaveling in themselves and talking shit about the elections over Trump won. You know. That's true. I mean, very sad. Um, hopefully, I'm sure the uh, Capitol Police and uh, the people, F, you know, FBI and Secret Service are right. uh, going to step it up. But see, you know, that's that's what's frustrating right now. Like right now, it's uh, we're talking January 10th. The inauguration is in January 20th. Like, you know, what if all these fucking people that, you know, came to this last one now, you know, they were literally saying, we'll be back with guns to the police when they were being escorted out or being blocked from entering. You're like, what if in 10, what if in 10 days they start a civil war? And I'm not going to, you know, it's not like it has to be a civil war like last time or a four year battle, but like, what if, what if for like three days they just start shooting? Yeah. What if they just, yeah. What if DC becomes like a war zone where like the police and the military, have to get involved and literally, you know, like there's literally just a giant arm standoff with like 10,000, you know, mega idiots. <laughs> well, hopefully Parler losing all of their contracts with like uh, web services, email, etc. Trump not being able to communicate with them and, and thousands of people being kicked off Twitter for right. spewing hateful bullshit. Uh, hopefully uh, their ability to <laughs> right. work together and plan has been uh, uh, mitigated to a large degree. Right. And there's videos going viral tonight of uh, some of these MAGA idiots being arrested at airports and being put yeah. on no-fly lists <laughs> and getting kicked <laughs> off airplanes and screaming and crying that they're being arrested and oppressed. But again, like, you know, it's like if they get arrested, do they put up a bond and get to go free and then come back to the inauguration by car or something? Like, I hope the FBI arresting all of these people that, like, brought guns in and kicked in windows of the Capitol and stole shit from Nancy Pelosi's office, like... Do they just get let go after the initial arrest and processing? Have a court case in like three months or something? Yeah, I hope not. Uh, I mean, yeah. we haven't really gotten a lot of information on that lately, which is kind of bad because, like, after yeah. the Black Lives Matter protests, you know, the police had their press right. conferences and talked about everything that they, you know, happened and what they were doing. But uh, as we get closer to January twentieth. Uh, um, I think uh, we can put, you know, we already talked about earlier how Trump was the worst president ever, but let's talk about the Republican Party and how between George W. Bush and, and Donald Trump being two of the worst presidents in American history, uh, here's an important question I think a lot of people need to think about. Have Republicans completely failed at governing in this in this century? Um, yes, I think, I mean, two Republican presidents consecutively handed off the country to uh, the Democrat uh, succeeding them as total dumpster fires, right? Mm-hmm. Like 
I mean, Obama inherited a government, like a government that had no respect around the world, no faith from the people, from like half of the country, uh, a financial crisis, you know, global worse than financial any other crisis. time except the Great Depression. Right. Yeah. Yeah. America uh, started a global financial crisis in 2007 and 2008. Right. That's what Obama took over. Yeah, now obviously this, you know, you would think like how could a president leave a country in worse shape than that? <laughs> yeah. But Trump, you know, it's like now we have like three crises at once, like COVID, the, you know, obviously this domestic terrorism problem and um we, here's something like I was thinking about matters now, like the government yeah. has been hollowed out. Like, you know, now we have even less true, you know, like the rest of the world is basically just saying like, all right, America needs some time on its own to sort some shit out, you know? Yeah. Well, I was trying to think about this earlier. And, and like, uh, if you look starting at the year 1900, right? So I don't think you could, you could think of, or, or certainly think of a president who's left more of a wreck uh, than Donald Trump. But I think the only other person, you know, other than George W. Bush might be Herbert Hoover, who coincidentally enough was also a Republican who uh, basically presided over the beginning of the Great Depression and did almost nothing to try to resolve it. Um, Out of principle. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and, and, and this should be important. And this is a distinction that puts Herbert Hoover way above uh, Trump in that, you know, Herbert Hoover is criticized for doing nothing, but he actually did do a couple of things. Uh, you know, ideologically, um, they were against intervening in the economy. And a big part of that was because they fundamentally didn't understand macroeconomics. And they literally didn't think the government could have a role, even if it should or, or would. Right. So that being said, Hoover did lower taxes. He did a little public work spending, which were some of the first programs in the country's history. And he actually I just read this tonight, bullied some big companies to not lay off workers. Uh, obviously, that bite from a president back then when the federal government was so small was a lot smaller than it would be today. Um, but basically, I mean, con compare this to Trump with COVID. Trump knew everything about COVID, right? He had the best briefings, the best information from people. And he got it. He got it yeah. himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's an interesting thing because, like, the Republican Party under Hoover were, like, laissez-faire Republicans, anti-government you know, government regulation. That was an ideology. Kind of hard to fight your ideology in that way, especially with a misunderstanding or, or non-knowledge of macroeconomics. But Trump, like, there is no pro-virus political ideology in America, right? So, like, we understand public medical health in a way that, you know, people back then in the 20s didn't understand economics, right? So, I mean, Trump really dropped the ball on this because he didn't even have to do anything personally. The whole power of being president is delegating down to people you hire. He couldn't even do that. So I think in that way, I mean, you have George W. Bush, uh, Hoover and, and Trump, and Trump just takes the cake for worst, least responsive, least efficient, most ineffective president ever, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, like, in terms of, like, uh, you could say that George W. Bush was kind of, like, willfully ignorant about changing any decisions he had made and being obstinate, but I would say Donald Trump is, like, militantly ignorant, because... <laughs> 
you know, it's like aggressively with, with ignorant. Co- yeah, aggressively ignorant. Because with COVID, like literally, just didn't want to talk about it. He, he, you know, he was afraid it was making him look bad and hurting his polls. You know, against Donald, uh, against Joe Biden. So like literally, just got mad at any advisors who would bring it up. He literally did not want to hear about the problem and just kept. You know, Trump is a person. Everyone says this that he just believes what he believes and nothing you can say unless it's some you can convince him that he you know it affects him personally will he uh-huh. change his mind from something yeah. he wants to believe um you know like the other worst presidents are like pierce and buchanan who other than like hoover and um harding you know both those presidents kind of get blamed for just not being able to stop the inevitable you know probably inevitable civil war um but yeah i mean just if you look at i mean and in terms of like what republicans have done in congress to go back to your kind of thesis statement that yeah like republicans have just completely failed as a political party thankfully there's a lot of republicans like the lincoln project and a lot of republicans Mm -hmm. who voted for joe biden and especially now post coup the ones who are uh you know who still like america and respect america as a democracy you know i think a lot of republicans are kind of going to give joe biden a lot of leeway Mm -hmm. um but yeah, in terms of uh, in terms of being like a failed party, like you know, Republicans had full control of the government from 2016 to 18, and just they could not accomplish anything on their own with full government. They couldn't repeal Obamacare. They had no replacement plan. You know, they they literally, you know, I don't know if they even tried to have a replacement plan. They tried to get rid of Obamacare <laughs> yeah. and just just lie to people and say pre-existing conditions would still somehow be covered. Um, I well, guess here's by a- ex- yeah, go for it. Well, what I was gonna I was gonna add something too, talking about like just failure in general, is that like between George W. Bush and Trump, they both and the Republican parties behind them literally manipulated the economy in, in, in tons of ways for short sighted political gain, whether it be the midterm elections or their own reelection, and they both fucked it up. For example, you know, both George W. Bush and Trump used tax cuts, supply side economic policies. They immediately deregulated extractive resource, you know, uh, mining, right? So for George W. Bush, that's a little more, uh, I guess, a little more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Makes a little more sense because he was in for eight years. Obviously, like when you open, you know, tons of land to mining and, and coal extraction and stuff, you know, that takes a couple years. But, you know, Trump started doing that day one. So, I mean, four yeah. years is a long time. You actually, you do get benefit. Most, more importantly, uh, both presidents, George W. Bush and Trump, had rapid deregulation programs of the financial system, which was going to make banks just make tons of money because they were basically given free reign to do whatever the hell they wanted, consequences be damned. And both times, uh, these two Republican presidents still fucked up the economy. Uh, they couldn't even keep it together before their time was up. So I think that's kind of amazing. You know, yeah. for, for George W. Bush, it took eight years. Trump did it in four, which is even more astounding. Yeah, I mean, you look at Trump's record. He He's the only president ever to, like, lose the Senate and the House and two popular votes and real election. Yeah. Like, I, you know... In terms of just sheer political outcome, uh, that's pretty, pretty damning, <laughs> pretty awful record. Yeah. Um, well, and another thing is, this economy wouldn't have even, hit, you know, this blow up wouldn't have happened. This financial blow up and economic blow up wouldn't have happened if he had just taken COVID a little more seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, it's hard to believe that America, you know, is like ground zero for a pandemic. More, you know, that we can't outperform countries such as like vietnam 
and things like that. You know, some like Vietnam is like, you know, business as usual. Life is good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. In Vietnam, the country went to war and lost because their government was evil, corrupt, couldn't do anything right. It was like the devil incarnate. But, you know, that that legacy communist government took care of COVID better than the United States of America, which is just sad. You know, yeah. you know, Republicans are still saying this is the most important, best, greatest country in the history of Earth. And it's like, mm, I don't think our our, uh, <laughs> you know, scorecard. Uh, reflects that in a lot of issues yeah what do you think that is because like john kelly just had that interview with jake tapper and you know john kelly said you know former chief of staff for trump who worked with him for 18 months and then quit and uh you know i think john kelly stopped trump from doing a lot of things and you know he even said when he left he was saying like don't pick a yes man to be your chief of staff or you will get impeached and he i think <laughs> mark meadows came somewhere after i don't remember if mark meadows was right after jim uh james john kelly uh but trump did get impeached but like you know kelly was always saying that like trump is a deeply deeply flawed human being and that seeing trump from uh like external from the white house uh, you don't think it's that bad, but then when you work for him, you realize, oh, it's terrible, and he's so flawed. Like who, like these people who say, oh, I believe what Trump was doing. He had good accomplishments. He really cared about America. You know, I heard. Some, I think, yeah, Mick Mulvaney today in an interview was saying that Trump really cared about policy. Um, yeah, what a uh, Sarah lie. Sarah Huckabee Sanders <laughs> said that you know no one that people don't understand that no one reads more than Trump, and it's like. Is it, like, did the Kool-Aid go to their fucking heads? Because that is, like, demonstrably not true. Like, none yeah. of that is true. <laughs> Trump doesn't care about policy. He doesn't read. Like, don't, don't fucking lie to us. Well, the one like, time he unilaterally... The one time he unilaterally took policy in his own hands were the fucking tariffs, which is, like, <clears throat> economics 101, that tariffs do not punish the other country. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean... yeah. I mean, there's more. There's a lot to that, right? But like the people who actually pay the tariffs, I, I should say, yeah, tariffs kind of hurt foreign imports, obviously coming from abroad. But the people who pay them, uh, who pay for them, are actually American consumers. So like, if that's his one claim to fame is understanding policy, like whoop de fucking do, he got it back asswards. Yeah. Um, what do you? <laughs> what do you backwards. think? What do you That's think funny. the Republicans are going to do post Trump, right? Let's say Bi let's say violence doesn't erupt, Biden gets uh, inaugurated and starts running things. It's nice that Democrats now have control of all of Congress, so that's really really nice. So that Joe Biden's not going to really have nearly as hard as well, I'm. This is the his... important thing that I don't think a lot of Americans understand is that who uh, who is leadership of each House of Congress is extremely important because it's not like. Things are just coming up and the Republicans keep bringing, you know, keep voting them down. It's actually that Mitch McConnell doesn't even allow votes to happen. He literally doesn't even bring up things that the majority or, you know, unanimous Republican agreement is already on. So the fact that Chuck Schumer will now, if he's majority leader, can can actually put stuff to a vote and force senators to actually vote yes or no on things is is so far above and beyond what Mitch McConnell was doing on so many important issues. So right. when people talk about government doesn't change or it doesn't really matter, like, no, 
like Democrats getting control of the Senate is a huge freaking deal because instead of just having votes on, you know, abolishing Obamacare, we can actually have votes on raising the minimum wage. And even if that doesn't pass, at least your representative voted yes or no. Under Mitch McConnell, such a thing would never come to a House uh, a floor vote. Right. Now, Democrats will still have to deal with the filibuster, which is kind of bullshit, other than the the reconciliation process on kind of budgetary and money related uh, things, they can get like one giant grand bargain on the reconciliation well, the, the, process. This is, uh, is this might be a good votes. thing. This might be a good thing to go into detail for listeners because the way uh, uh, the legislative parliamentary kind of uh, system takes place is that with reconciliation, there's allowed by Senate rules three reconciliation votes a year. One can be on uh, uh, revenue, one can be on taxes, and one can be on the debt ceiling. Now, normally, you know, I said you can do three a year, uh, but you can only do one on each one of those topics. So a lot of the times you see taxes and revenue bundled up in one reconciliation bill. And then as needed, they do the, you know, annual tax uh, uh, or sorry, debt ceiling increase. So this will be an interesting thing to see because if Republicans aren't going to play ball with Democrats at all or Biden for the next four years, we're I mean, the only thing Democrats can do, especially on anything regarding taxes and revenue, is just a massive monster of a reconciliation bill once yeah. a year. And that's the kind of thing Republicans yeah. hate. And honestly, it's not even good for the country because when you have a bill that big, I guarantee you almost nobody in Congress is reading that fucking thing. So, yeah. I mean, if you care about good, you know, small C conservative, good governance, you know, traditional conservative ideology, like, you know, making sure government's not overreaching, that it's actually doing sensible, smart things. Well, you want to play ball with the Democrats because in the absence of bipartisan partisan, you know, uh, compromise, you're going to get these disgusting mammoth bills with trillions of rider or trillions of dollars and riders all over the thing infested like little tumors. And that's how <laughs> yeah. that's how our country governs. I have an idea for how Democrats should do uh, policy. They should have a, you know, a reconciliation tax base bill that starts off at taxes on the super wealthy at 95 percent. And they say, for every compromise you make with us, we'll drop that by like one <laughs> percent next year. Just start- they should, by the next year, they'll drop at five <laughs> percent. <laughs> yeah, right. But just extract like tons. And I mean, like that's really if you look at everything Republicans have done, pretty much their only success in policy has been just lowering taxes on the super wealthy. <laughs> you know, And even the stuff like Trump's tax cuts, right? They were set to expire for the middle class and poor people, but the ones <laughs> for the mega rich were not set to expire. They lasted longer. So that's like such bullshit to force Democrats then to make another deal to keep the tax cuts from going up on poor and middle class people. That's just so do you think Democrats <laughs> should just go hyper Machiavellian like that and just like force these like, you know, like really, really cutting legislation like that with just like, I don't know. Well, I'm so split know? on that. Like, I, I like to think that we can have good governance and sensible governance. Right. Because realistically, our tax like look at the, look at it this way. Like, why do we have five tax brackets? You know, you could make anywhere from zero dollars a year to hundreds of millions or billions, right? And we have five tax brackets with supercomputers. We don't have six. We can't manage seven or eight or nine. Yeah. I mean, realistically, you could have 10,000 
tax brackets. You could have a tax yeah. bracket for every hundred or ten or extra penny yeah. you make. You could have an algorithm. Just just the taxes go up progressively yeah. with the amount of money. Oh, it absolutely. That's I mean, no doubt. That's how why we have you know one of the many reasons why we have so much fraud in the tax system and rich people not paying it. It's because you got to figure out how to not make. If you're making like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, let's just throw out an example. You'll do anything you can to hide any dollar after that, so then your tax rate doesn't jump up. If you have two hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollars and one penny, you know, in income, so you're gonna That's do. You're gonna go buy you a can. painting and, and donate it to a museum for a tax right and write it off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, there's so many things that could be fixed. I mean, and that's another good thing for the country, whether Republicans know it or not, is that you have Democrats, you know, you might not like all their ideas, but at least they're trying to govern. And, you know, if you can get and that's that's the funny thing is Republicans have a lot of power here because Joe Biden and a lot of the Democrats want bipartisanship. So if they have a good faith compromise, they actually uh, you know, the country benefits and they would benefit a little bit as long as they play ball. Yeah. But with Trump as their leader and Republicans still terrified of a primary, it's probably not going to happen. Well, do you think Trump is going to kind of have a like this control over Republicans? I mean, he's got this like violent mob that's like ready to be whipped up. Like, do you think Trump will just continue to control Republicans and they'll basically, you know, they'll be watching Fox News every night to see what Trump says about either like the policies or the votes or the debates going on? Do you think Trump's going to have a lasting impact? Uh, probably, especially when all his children are going to run. Like, I mean, it, it's so funny because like people are going to get backstabbed by Trump so much. People who supported Trump 99 percent are going to get primaried by people who, you know, Trump. Trump keeps tabs on people he hates and who he feels wronged him. So like, especially like Marco Rubio, like you're about to probably run against Ivanka Trump for your Senate seat. Like, I think Eric Trump's wife, Laura, wanted to run from for North Carolina or something. So it's like, wow, cool. North Carolina senator or representative. You're gonna have to run against Laura Trump, a, you know, person who's only, uh, you know, um, her LinkedIn account or her resume only includes like beauty school and being married to Eric Trump, like, and they're going to become a congressman or try to become a congressman. Um, so, I mean, you're going to have a yeah. lot of, you're going to have a lot of inter Republican party rivalry right. with, with Donald Trump's extended family and can people you, who can, go Can on. you imagine like doing everything you can to stay in the good graces of Trump only to still lose your Senate seat to well, look at Ivanka Mike Pence. or Laura? Mike Pence, had his yeah. nose farther up Donald Trump's ass than anyone else for four years. And, you know, the the hangmen still came running for him. <laughs> Did you see the things? It was reported that Donald Trump told Mike Pence that he doesn't want to be his friend anymore. <laughs> like he's like, <laughs> like he's 10 years old. <laughs> I, didn't I don't that. want to be your friend anymore. Well, and, and here's I love speculating about this to myself is like, what's the 2024 election going to look like? Because Mike Pompeo wants to run. Mike Pence certainly is going to run. Nikki Haley. Uh, Nikki Cotton. Haley wants to run. Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, you know. I mean, that's the only yeah. reason they they did the, the whole insurrection thing is because they're trying to get the Trump voter for 2024. Um, but then what's going to happen when these people, uh, you know, have to stand by the wayside if Trump's going to run again? If he doesn't get impeached and, you know, you know, removed from eligibility to run again in the future, he probably will run again. Um, that'll be fascinating to watch. I don't know. I kind of, what do you, I mean, why would he want 
It was dumb he for him to off, run in 2016, dude. <laughs> why, why wouldn't he do it again? He's no, but idiot. he accidentally won. And even a lot of Trump aides admit that no one really thought he was going to win. But, like, why would why would Trump want to be president again? Especially if he starts, like, Trump News Network and now he's making millions of dollars every month again. Why would he want to? I, you know, Trump because he's seen like as a loser job. right now. Maybe I don't know. He's got a lot of psychological problems. I think. Yeah, I guess that's true. It'd be to like revenge himself to not look like a loser. Um, but you know, that's what that's what's interesting about like his kids running. Like if Donald Jr. runs and Ivanka runs, like Ivanka is go- if she got elected would have a very different platform and ideology than Donald Trump, right? Donald Trump had no ideology and no political beliefs. But Ivanka, I guess, would be, you know, as a woman, would want to be empowering women and doing things, I guess, on in that front that Republicans don't really like because it's bad for business to pay women more, give them maternity mm-hmm. leave. You know, those will always be bad for business in a like a sociopathic, you know, anti-human way. <laughs> but like, you know, uh, all these Republicans who love Trump, like you're going to have to turn liberal on some of these issues to want to vote for Ivanka. What would, yeah. and what would Donald Jr.? run on what would be his campaigns just gun rights for hunting you know endangered animals or something well i mean donald trump jr is a perfect example of how easy it is to be popular in the republican circles right now where right. he literally just wrote a dumb shit book that was probably ghost written by someone else just talking about liberals and you know hatred towards liberals um so like i don't think he's got any strong policy uh, ideas other than second amendment and, you know, perhaps the First Amendment, because he believes his First Amendment's being curtailed. Um, I mean, <laughs> another family values guy, right? A guy married with three yeah. kids, cheats on his wife with... Uh, oh, he had like uh, five kids. Oh, however many kids he has, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, it, even though he'll get the conservative vote, he's not a family values kind of guy. I get the feeling. Yeah. Yeah, any other thoughts? We're at an hour now. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, I mean, looking at the Republican Party in the next couple of days, we can see what the future is going to look like uh, based on their advertisements and their uh, fundraising pleas, right? So if in, in 11 days from now, they're still criticizing AOC and the squad, Nancy Pelosi for being evil witches, evil liberal witches trying to ruin America, <laughs> yeah. I think it's safe to say we'll know that Joe Biden's not going to have as, as much bipartisanship as he wants. Yeah, it is sad that we are getting to the point, mostly because of Republican just bad faith governing in Congress. So, like, the only thing that you can do now is just have an, <laughs> an executive do a ton of executive orders and well, do everything fun. through you the gotta department's remember, agencies. It, they're past bad faith. They're literally just shitting on people's faith now. Like, they don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, there was a, that meeting, I think, in Iowa, maybe, or something, of, like, you know, future contenders, and apparently Tucker Carlson went... You think Tucker Carlson might run for president? <laughs> I hope not. I, I can't he, imagine. People want him to. Here's the thing, though. Tucker Carlson admitted in an interview that he lives in, like, a liberal district, and he doesn't really pay attention to the local elections and always just votes for the most cynical person running. And I think that's, like, so fucking disqualifying to have any kind of political service, to just openly brag about that, to act like you're so cool and conservative that you like just vote for the most cynical, uh, like a militantly partisan person out there, like literally admitting that, like, 
kind of weird. You know, that's even worse than Trump running just for himself. You know, at least <laughs> at least Trump kind of thinks what's good for him will be good for America because he's a moron. But Tucker mm-hmm. Carlson's not a total idiot, but he's still like you know cynical and uh, you know intentionally. Whereas Trump's kind of like unintentionally terrible. Tucker Carlson's like intentionally terrible. So we have yeah. that to look forward to, I guess. We'll <laughs> see. I mean, it'll be a rodeo for sure. I'm no doubt the Republican primary of 2024 is going to be a rodeo. Yeah. Well, all I right. think that's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody, thanks for listening. We're Brain Milk Podcast. I'm Dash McIntyre. I'm Adrian Pope. Enjoy the guitar solo. Have a good one. <laughs>